Welcome to This ADHD Life, a podcast for people with ADHD, those who love them, and yes, even those who are struggling to love them. You're listening to episode three, recorded on Friday, June 3rd, 2016, and I have a few confessions to make. Well, for one, this is the second recording of this podcast, and some of it's due to perfectionism. I didn't just really like the way the previous recording sounded. Uh, It didn't speak to me. I was worried it wouldn't speak to others, so I kind of redid the show notes, and here we are, recording again. I also took a few days off for uh, my recent anniversary, and we just celebrated the Memorial Day holiday in the U.S., and so this show is a few days late, and I apologize for that, but I also give myself a bit of a pat on the back for not pushing myself to get something out that I just wasn't ready to publish. Uh, and for taking some time to relax. And it's something I struggle with. And if you have ADHD or if you see if you're a loved one of someone with ADHD, you probably see this pretty often that it can be difficult to relax. Some other confessions that I'm going to make. I have a pair of new shoes that have been in the house for at least a week, probably a week and a half that have not been open. And the reason is these new shoes are not identical to the last pair or last two pairs that I bought. I am so worried that they're not going to be perfect or that I'm going to be dissatisfied that I don't want to open them to have that disappointment and I don't want to open them to have to maybe decide to return them. That's kind of a little bit crazy, right? But to me, it makes perfect sense. I also delay housework, um, but when I start doing housework, I'm kind of like the Tasmanian devil of cleaning. I feel guilty about not taking time for relaxation. That's why I'm patting myself on the back. I used to take cruises when I had my 40-hour-a-week IT job, 40-plus-hour-a-week IT job. And what I loved about cruises were that you you could go there and you literally can't do anything. I mean, yeah, you can get internet, but it's so pricey that there's no way I would have done it. Uh, I'd bring some books with me and some stuff to read, but there was no ability to be productive. The funny thing is that it would take me two days until I finally accepted that. Uh, I would hear from the people I was with that it's like, oh, Keith's on vacation now. And that was like two days into the cruise when my mind just went, oh, well, I guess I won't be doing anything, so I might as well relax. I struggle with getting to bed. I often feel like I have no time, particularly if I wake up a little bit late and then I have lunch plans or dinner plans. I feel like the whole day is just gone. There's no way that I can do anything that day. I also feel like things are either immediately now or never. It's probably clear that small decisions paralyze me, and this happens even after purchase. I microplan, and some of that I'm going to address in next week's show, and it has to do with a time management philosophy that I've been trying to adapt since 2001. I'm sure there are many more, but this speaks to the topic that I'll be getting into later today, and that is executive function. Bit of follow-up from last week's show, I wanted to apologize for the broken link. I mentioned a way to get to show notes that I thought would be possible, but turns out it wasn't. So my mouth spoke before my mind actually acted and found out that I wasn't able to link exactly the way I wanted to. The easiest way to get show notes, as always, is just go to thisadhdlife.com. The most recent episode will be up on the homepage, and then you can dig through to other episodes if you want to see show notes or leave comments. I did receive a nice comment on the Facebook page, sort of validating last uh, episode that ADHD can be seen as sort of shameful and isn't spoken about much. Uh, Particularly, apparently, this is true with parents who have ADHD children, that communications happen a lot in private rather than sort of on a public Facebook page. 
And it's a shame that happens, but at the same time, it was kind of validating to what I was speaking about last time. In my experience, ADHD is just not talked about. It's not something that people admit to. And it seems like that's really actually the case out in the general public as well. And in an area that I honestly don't have much expertise in, in in dealing with children with ADHD, I don't have children myself. And as I've not started coaching, I haven't really started coaching ADHD children or their parents. But Thank you for the comment uh, on the Facebook page. And remember, you can find us at This ADHD Life on Facebook. As I mentioned today, I wanted to talk about another symptom of ADHD. We talked about perfectionism a little bit in episode one. Today, I wanted to talk about executive function. And the funny thing is, I actually had a call with a parent uh, a week or two ago who said, well, well, isn't ADHD just a disease of executive function? And it's like, no, there's many other components to it. But a lot of times, aside from the distractibility that we can tend to have, oh, look, squirrel, we have uh, sort of been pigeonholed into executive function, that it's somehow, that's the only thing that, that we're affected by. Uh, it involves getting ourselves to take action, and I think that's why sometimes the neurotypicals in our lives think that's all that ADHD affects. Uh, it's associated with getting stuff done, and because of that, I actually questioned my diagnosis for quite a while. You see, back in my 20s, I became an aficionado of time management methodologies, or really productivity methodologies, and I've probably read every major book that's out there from how to plan in a Franklin planner up to getting things done. And I was able to put systems in place based on the books that I read, and I kind of super geeked out, hyper-focused into it. So I looked very productive to the outside world, and I probably was very productive. But ever since trying to follow a particular methodology, my productivity went down, and I've been trying to follow it perfectly. That is what we call a teaser for next episode, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks. The characteristics of executive function surround a few different areas, um, time management or really more managing of time or a sense of time. I mean, obviously we can't manage time. We all get 24 hours a day, but it's difficult to have a sense of time. It's tough to know how long something's going to take to complete. It's tough to have a sense of the future and how something that I'm doing today might impact the future. And it pertains to not really learning from our experiences or our mistakes or even our successes. And I, I might argue even more our successes. It's what makes us not even realize we need to be on a diet because we want to live until the age of 70 or 80 or 90. It's kind of an all or nothing, all, all or nothing right now sense of time. It's, if it's not happening right now, it's never going to happen. Or for me, sometimes it's even though I have two years of a particular resource or to get something done, I still feel like it's actually two months from now or two days from now or literally sometimes two minutes from now. I mentioned planning, that's breaking projects into steps, or sometimes breaking them into too many steps can be a way that this executive function is a little mm, askew in the ADHD. Uh, also prioritizing, choosing what's most important to us rather than what's most interesting to us. It's feeling kind of like all of our ideas are our children and we have to all treat them equally. And if you get rid of one, it's like, oh my goodness, what are we saying? Getting started. This is procrastination, right? And this really affects stuff for which we don't have a great deal of interest. A lot of times it can involve delaying until sort of in the mood to do something. I call that following my energy and writing the show notes today or the, the, the outline today. I realized, no, that's, uh, that's actually waiting until I'm in the mood to do something. Perfectionism can fall into this. And this is what makes us not able to start the mundane. This is what makes me turn into the Tasmanian devil of cleaning is I will put off 
a number of sort of routine tasks that the average uh, homeowner would say should be done, you know, every week. But I'll just put them all off until one time, completely wear myself out over the course of three or four hours, but they'll be done. That's because I don't like doing them. They're just mundane to me. Once we're started, sometimes we can get stuck, have a difficulty in following things to completion, particularly if we start to have interest in them and then they lose interest as we start doing it. You ever have a project that you started? Maybe you have a a sweater that you're knitting and a couple months later, it's still undone and it's like, I don't really want to knit anymore. This is what forces us to not come back to tasks. If I can't complete it now, maybe it's not worth doing at all. And sometimes it's about not tracking what we've completed, failing to recognize the importance of even the smallest completion. If you think of like an hourglass, over the course of an hour, all of the sand moves from the top to the bottom. But if you sit there just watching it, it's going to seem like nothing is actually happening. Similarly with productivity, sometimes just completing the smallest of tasks, just buying the printer paper can help you maybe then print out the manual for the new software program that you then need to learn to further your career. I mentioned I have difficulty getting to sleep. And really what I mean by that is transitioning to sleep. I have a terrible time transitioning from evening fun time into get into the bed and relax and go to sleep time. And this is a symptom of executive function. It is not able to transition sometimes from one project to another. Sometimes it can be hyper-focused, but oftentimes it's kind of having that fear that if I don't complete something now, I'm going to get stuck and it's never going to get done. We can have problems transitioning, like I said, to sleep, to work, from work, from mealtime to relax time, from relax time to chore time, from school time to homework time. I mean, this is transitions. This, I think, speaks to my inability to watch just one episode of a TV show. I love binge watching. Thank God for Hulu and Netflix because I can actually watch an entire season or half a season. The problem is once I start binge watching, I then have a transition problem, transitioning from stopping after 10 episodes of Seinfeld into actually getting some decent sleep. Executive function also affects our working memory. This is what I was talking about, uh, keeping a piece of paper with you at all times, being able to remember things kind of for the short term. Some of us have great memories long term, sort of like a bank vault, but we'll forget where our keys are or we'll forget where we put our phone is. And then I do that. I have a black iPhone with a black iPhone case, and I oftentimes put it on my black sofa and I just have no idea where my iPhone went. This can also cause interruption to be painful because we can maybe be trying to retain stuff in memory. As soon as someone interrupts us, it's just gone. It's like someone just shot static electricity into the computer and made it reboot. It's a painful thing. But the other thing is to realize that it's not just an ADHD thing because we're not as humans designed for short-term storage. Long-term storage, yes. Short-term storage or RAM, absolutely not. I mentioned decision-making at the top. This is another area that that executive function affects me. Uh, This is sort of delaying decisions or making them based purely on emotion. I'm more a delayer than an emotional decider. Uh, A lot of times it's because there's no perfect option. And there's self-doubt when I'm not really an expert in a field or I feel like a novice, that I'm somehow not making the right decision. I don't have enough information. And another thing is a lot of times if we have too much time to make a decision, we have less ability to decide. If you give me two months to make a decision, I am going to prolong it to the last minute anyway, but I'll be thinking or ruminating it about, a lot, about it a lot over that course of the two months. And that just doesn't 
doesn't help me at all. So sometimes I just need to have someone say, nope, you got to decide by Wednesday. That's it. The last area of executive function that I want to address is in emotional maturity or delayed maturity. A lot of people with ADHD up until the time they're the age of 30 tend to be sort of three to 10 years behind their chronological age. And that varies depending on whether you're young or a teenager or a young adult. And believe it or not, the older you get, the more delayed in maturity you might actually be. I think this speaks to why I constantly feel 15 years younger than my physical age. Just three or four years ago, I would have said 20 years. So I think maybe my emotional maturity is finally catching up. But this actually is a huge thing that can help us in certain careers. Unfortunately, it also can make us less likely to stick up for ourselves or feel like we're worth sticking up for ourselves. It's not something I have a problem with necessarily, but the more that I talk to others with ADHD, the more that I realize this absolutely is sort of a common thing that it's you're not going to send your food back even though it's horrible or get the refund if you don't like the shoes. The good news is that there's a host of strengths that come along with some of these sort of deficiencies in emotional or sorry, executive function. We can be really good decision makers when we're the expert. We have great instincts. As a tech support person, I was sort of number one because I was able to just make these quick decisions, trust my instincts and get stuff done and fixed. We can identify tons of solutions to one single problem, and we can do it really, really quickly. If you think about how fast some of our brains move, all we have is options, and a lot of times that stalls us, but put in the right environment, that can actually be a benefit to us. We can also tend not to be held back by our pasts, right? If you're not learning from your past successes and mistakes, and you don't remember them necessarily, you're not going to learn from them. You're not going to let them hold you back in the future. We can also be highly productive almost singularly focused on the things that we really enjoy, the things that are really sparkly to us or the things that are really interesting to us can hold our focus for hours. And yeah, there's hyper-focus and there are negatives of hyper-focus, but there are some areas in which this can actually benefit us in careers and in school. Because of the delayed maturity, we can be sort of adventurous beyond our years. We can be the people that at 65 are still riding roller coasters, even though we've had like five back operations. We want to do what's fun. And our sort of delayed maturity may have something to do with that. And we also sometimes, ADHDers, have a really strong intuition. Some of us have such a strong intuition that it's sort of an ADHD superpower and we become known for it. The other piece of good news is that there are ways to improve executive function problems. So the first and foremost, you know I'm a coach in training. I think coaching around executive function is a really good way to go if you have a coach that really knows how to plan and prioritize and organize a task list and you have a problem doing that, maybe you seek some coaching around that. But it can also mean just farming it out. If you're not good at finances, it could mean hiring an accountant. It could mean delegating the disinterest. I've mentioned before that my laundry is now folded so well that I can't actually fold it myself. I'm so not interested in doing that. I don't do it. It's something that gets delegated in my household. Aside from delegating, seeking help is a huge thing. This is where you might go to a friend or loved one and say, look, I'm just struggling to get started. Can you help me get started? Can we talk about a few things to get started? Accepting the fact that small steps make a difference. Yes, I said accepting the fact because it is a fact that small steps make a difference. You don't suddenly 
gain a hundred pounds because you've eaten a hundred boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. No, you get overweight because you eat a Krispy Kreme donut a day for a number of days and months and years. Similarly, anything that you do to make progress on a project or even on a task will affect the outcome of that task. Taking time to think deeply about what you want to accomplish and why can be huge to uh, helping with executive function, as can creating artificial deadlines. I do that myself. The time management methodology that I've been trying to use spouses never putting anything as due until you actually have sort of a life and death, something that would go on a calendar. That doesn't work for me. There are times that I just have to say, look, no, stuff is due on Saturday so that it comes back into my mind, so to speak. And I might choose to snooze it at that point, but I think creating artificial deadlines can be huge. Trusting your intuition. I mentioned that we can be intuitive. We can have really good instincts if we are sort of the experts in the field. Trusting that and learning to trust ourselves can help. If you're struggling from uh, procrastination, sometimes the concept of a body double can help. And this is where you, you know, might Skype with a friend or even an internet stranger who also needs a body double. And you check in with each other periodically, but sometimes just having that presence in the room, so to speak, can help. And I found this in my own life that when my partner is in the office with me, I can get more done than when I'm in the office alone. Easing expectations is kind of huge as well. And this is surrounding timeframes, you know, doubling or tripling your time estimate can help you and more importantly, communicating that. Realizing that you don't have a great sense of time can help you in actually estimating because you know, okay, I think this is going to take 30 minutes. Let me just tell my friend it's going to take 60 minutes. And look, if it only takes 45, you're ahead of the game. That's awesome. But remember not to expect too much of yourself. If you doubled the estimate, you're much better off getting it done in 45 out of 60 minutes than getting it in 45 out of 30 because then you tend to beat yourself up. So ease the expectation on yourself. If you have a college student or you're about to go to college, a gap year or three can be really handy. It can help with that delayed maturity. It can help put some systems in place. It can help decompress. Gap years are a huge thing. And the last thing that I'll mention is allowing talent and interest to guide career choices and projects. It's not following your passion. Yeah, sometimes following a passion is really, really good. But even within a chosen career, focus on the things that you are interested in more so than those that you are not interested in. So for example, in IT, I am very interested in development more so than project management. So were I to go back to that, I would go into development rather than project management. And where this helps us is in our successes. So executive function or disorders of executive function actually spit out a lot of entrepreneurs. And it doesn't make much sense because you think about how can you run a business if you have poor organizational skills and you can't manage your time very well. Well, but if you have a lot of great ideas and you trust your instincts and you're following something you're really interested in, you can be a great entrepreneur as long as you delegate the stuff that's not interesting to you. Projects and careers that require quick decisions or an ability to create many options can be hugely successful for an ADHD. -er. Just a few of them, uh, the ER doctor or becoming an EMT, IT support staff, developers, because we can focus on the stuff that's really interesting to us, stockbrokers, quick decision making, sales and marketing, we can be very personable, editors, we can be very detail oriented if it speaks to us, 
artists and craftspeople, I think this is sort of a no-brainer. Anything working with animals, professional gamer or like game testers, I think that's why you see a huge rise in professional gamers these days because we're doing things that are interesting to us and surprise, it can be a career. And I also think working with young people. ADHDers can tend to relate to young people more so than those their own age level or even older. So teachers, daycare workers, mentors, coaches, careers like that can be huge for an ADHDer. To wrap up this discussion of executive function, let's talk about a few tools that I use in my life or I'd like to use in my life. The first tool I want to mention is the Stuff I'm Not Messing Up list. Now, two confessions, mine is not labeled Stuff I'm Not Messing Up. And mine also doesn't exist. I tend to intellectualize this. I don't understand why. I came up with this idea back in February, and I'm not getting myself to do it. It's something I need to do. I really think there's a great benefit in doing this if you have ADHD or if you're a loved one of ADHD. This is a great thing for you to sit down with your your ADHD loved one and just write down the stuff they're not messing up. It doesn't have to be about what they're doing well, but just stuff that's not being messed up. Like I'm not messing up our family finances. I'm not spending impulsively. I'm actually taking a look at our accounts every week or two. I'm not messing up with our grocery shopping. I'm not messing up with my driving. I'm not messing up with any number of things. And it's funny, I'm sort of at a loss right now. And this speaks to the importance of the exercise of sitting down, taking some dedicated time and really thinking about what you're not messing up. If I took 30 minutes, I'm sure I could make a list of 20 items. The point is that if we don't have a list like this, we can think and focus on only the stuff we're not doing well. The ways that we're maybe late all the time or always putting our keys in the refrigerator or forgetting that phone number or forgetting to that homework assignment, forgetting the chore that our parent assigned us. All of that can be our focus. Having a list of stuff you're not messing up, however, and referring to that, like putting it on a wall, referring it to it often can actually make us feel a lot better about ourselves. I would argue it's something that anybody can implement, but it's so, so key, I believe, for an ADHDer to have a very quick way to get back to going, oh, you know, I'm not messing up these 20 things. All right, I'm still a productive human. Another tool, or maybe rather a practice, is just doing some stuff in the moment. For example, if you have a thought that you need to, I don't know, bring out the recycling, and you're not right in the middle of something else, you know, other than a TV show, you can pause the TV show, you might just want to go grab your recycling bag and put it by the front door. Do it right then. Yeah, you might write it down if you're in the middle of, you know, programming the next module for a particular software package that you're, you're involved with, you might just want to write the task down. But if it's something that wouldn't hurt you to take a break from doing, go and do that. As you think of it, do it. Don't waste the paper. Don't waste the mental effort. Don't waste the chance that you'll never refer back to that note. I mentioned having discussions with, you know, your loved ones, but this can include your, you know, therapist or a coach. Discussing your projects, your tasks with them and fully fleshing out why you want to be doing them, whether they're still valid for you, whether you still have interest, whether it's okay to let them go. Again, if you started that sweater and you discovered that you don't like knitting, it might be okay to let it go, even though you spent, you know, five bucks on a skein of yarn and you're just going to have to throw that out. It's okay. Not everything has to be followed to completion. And sometimes by allowing and, and really saying this is not going to be completed allows other things to be completed because you're not trying to have too much in process at the same time. You don't have too many things on your mind that are saying, hey, complete me, complete me, complete me. 
And the difficult one is taking time for self-reflection and evaluation. And again, maybe that's a practice more than a tool, but it's so, so helpful to just take a sort of moment or maybe 30 moments and think about what it is we're trying to accomplish. A lot of times we can be in do mode or relax or extended relax mode. You're either really hyper doing stuff, house cleaning, your job stuff, whatever it happens to be, or you're just kind of vegging out. And I'd argue that there's a space between those two modes where you can sort of ponder your life goals, your actual short-term goals, your projects, your tasks. It starts with discussing them with a partner. If you can get to a place where you're sort of discussing them with yourself or, or, or reviewing them yourself, I think that can be a huge thing. It's sort of an advanced trick, but it can, it can pay off huge benefits. That wraps up my discussion of executive function for today. I'm sure it's a topic that I will revisit. In fact, next week, I am going to be talking about how some of this actually affected my ability to get things done. And spoiler alert, the show is already titled How Not to Get Things Done When You're an adhd -er, because there are things we can do to ourselves that sort of peg us into such a structure that it can be insane to think we're going to actually have things accomplished. So I hope you will download and listen to that. In closing, I want to mention our contact information is available at thisadhdlife.com. While you're there, you can also submit a request to be interviewed by me. I mentioned a couple weeks back that I am starting an interview show. I want to talk to other people with ADHD. Go there, fill out the form, and hopefully you can be an interview and be on that new show. Likewise, if you're a professional, there's a little form for you to get in contact with me there as well. I mentioned our Facebook page. It's at This ADHD Life on Facebook. And I'm also in the process of creating a new page on the website. Uh, but please do go subscribe and review on iTunes and the other major podcasting services like Google Play or Stitcher, whatever you happen to use. Uh, ThisADHDLife.com slash subscribe will have a link to all of those places as well as our social media accounts. And while you're at the website, please check out the show notes, make a comment. Uh, you know, feedback is a wonderful thing. I very much encourage it and I hope you'll go there and leave some feedback. As always, remember, you got to be good to yourself. If you can't be good to yourself, how are you going to be good to anybody else? It just doesn't make sense. You got to be good to yourself. Have a great couple weeks and I will see you back here then. Music